fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to F Triple G B T. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We do that. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. I really feel like for this episode, I'm in my wheelhouse because I just love asking the question, why? And there's a lot of whys going on today. <laughs> there sure are a lot of whys, and I'm glad you are here uh, because if we lived in this world, there's a good chance that neither one of us would be here. But we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do, we have to introduce our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? Dan, I'm at this PriceMax store, and it is somehow still well-stocked in the apocalypse, so I'm going to get some supplies and continue on my travels. I think that is the best option, given what I know about that particular PriceMax, uh, but we are going to talk about apocalypses, apocalypse. I always get this word confused when I try to pluralize it. The apocalypse. You know, we're no stranger to the apocalypse we've discussed. Robot apocalypses, zombie apocalypses, uh, all sorts of others. I'm sure there's others that I am missing, but those are the two that spring immediately, immediately to mind. But we're going to discuss the viral apocalypse here. Um, but I got to tell you guys, I'm going to go right out of the top. We're going to get into a lot of tricky waters here, so I'd like to, right at the top, give a disclaimer. I'd like to apologize to everyone for what I may accidentally say. I do not hold, hold me individually responsible. Do not hold my co-host responsible for whatever stupid accidental thing I may say. Um, have I covered you guys completely? Do you feel safe enough to continue this conversation? I do, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, I think we can all agree this is kind of, we're going to kind of look at a, a viral apocalypse in the framework of Why the Last Man, which is this great show uh, that came out. I thought it was a great show. Um, you know, spoiler alert to everyone, it got canceled before it was finished, uh, which was devastating to me because I thought they were doing a great job with this show. But we're going to use it as kind of a template for this. Uh, but one of the things I thought was a little odd that I want to just talk to you guys about briefly, this seems like a weird time to put out a movie about the viral apocalypse. Uh, you know, wouldn't you guys agree with that? <laughs> I, I do think it cuts a little close to home, Dan. Um, you know, we, we, we are perhaps coming out of a pandemic. We haven't had, as humanity, a pandemic in a very, very long time. Uh, obviously, we've had local pandemics, but global at this level, I think we've not experienced. So yeah, it, it is an odd thing to um, plan to do, in my opinion. Um, you know, but Heck, we keep making movies and TV shows about computers taking over, and I feel like they did that about 10 years ago, so, you know, and we just didn't notice. Um, so maybe it's not, maybe it's human nature, Ben. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I will first, to defend the show a little bit, I will say they don't explicitly say virus in the show. For all we know, it's, uh, you know, some sort of robot nanite that Hunter kills every person with a Y chromosome. So... You know, until we know the the facts on the ground of what causes this apocalypse, I don't think we can uh, blame them for being a little uh, crude in this uh, current pandemic situation. 
Fair enough. You know, and that's a good point because I would like to mention I loved Why the Last Man, the comic book. I was really into this. I've read every episode, uh, every issue. And you're you're exactly right, Ben. One of the things I actually forgot, had to go back and look, is they don't give an explanation for this. There are, I think, five or six strong explanations that this could be. There's a, you know, Brian K. Vaughn, the author, uh, said that there's definitely one of those explanations is true in that world, but we don't know which one it is. May not be viral, but we're going to pretend for the sake of this conversation that it is viral. So that leaves me, I got to ask you guys some very important questions here, one that's going to lead off this conversation. But let's say, all right, I'm going to set the stage here, guys. Let's say it's, it's our one all of a sudden, across the world, every human male is dropping dead at an alarming rate. The ripple effect is crossing through Europe, Middle East, Russia. Hasn't quite hit the U.S. yet. But you guys are watching this at home on your television sets. You know it's coming to the U.S., but it's not quite here. What are you doing? You got maybe four to five hours to get your affairs in order. Denon, what are you doing, and how many chocolate chip cookies does it involve? Well, you know— before you actually made your opening remarks, obviously I was going to be eating chocolate chip cookies. I'd be inspiring my daughters to take over the world. Um, but you made this point that the um, creator of the book said it is definitely an explanation that caused this. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course it was an explanation. Some explanation had to be true. And now my brain right. is stuck thinking about that. So I have a feeling I might, I might spend the four hours meditating on how can an explanation not exist for something even if we right. know what it is, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I definitely, you're right. Chocolate chip cookies always figure into near-death experiences. They have to. Um, and with four hours, I do have time to bake a fresh batch. Um, let's be clear on that. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. But I really do think in this situation, if it was known that it's people with a Y chromosome, um, I would immediately be reminding my daughters to take over the world when, this, when, the, when the dust settles. Um, in a positive way. Like not in an evil, mahaha, you know, um, control the world, but, you know, be those that make the world survive. Um, sure. I, I'm trying yeah. not to go into, you know, Ben's evil scientist territory here. So I don't know what Ben's doing in these four hours. Well, you're you're cutting it really close there, there, Denny, because we've already established in this season alone that you are a, an unapologetic capitalist. You're a pyromaniac, and you possibly terrorize <laughs> children. Maybe it's possible you and Ben have flipped places here. I'm not 100% sure. But, Ben, here, here's how we're going to find out. Ben, what are you doing in those four or five hours? Who are you inspiring to take over the world? Uh, I think myself. Uh, I think I think for me, you know, I've I've learned something from Yorick, uh, and I uh -huh. I feel like I got to find this capuchin monkey that has been mutated somehow to help save me too. Uh, I think that's I think that's the plan. Is you find you find that monkey that makes you safe. <laughs> I love the self-preservation in that. That is exactly that. Now, that is truly human, Ben. That is truly human. Forget this robot stuff. How can I possibly accuse you of being a robot with such a human instinct like that? Well, Dan, actually, I have to interrupt with a question. I mean, please do. Is Ben just trying to confuse us? Because if you are part robot, are you safe even if you have a Y chromosome? This is not answered in the show. It's the question I have. Huh. How much robot protects your Y chromosome? Oh, that that's an interesting thought there, Dan. And, uh, I guess we'll just find out, like, uh, what percentage cyborg you need to be to uh, survive the, the apocalypse. Or maybe all of your human side would have to be destroyed and you'd, you'd have to replace it with complete, you know, cybernetic components, making you essentially a robot. Maybe that's what we have to do here. Complete robot transfer over is what I'm saying to you. How does that feel, Ben? Uh, I, I, well, it, it sounds good, but if, if we go full singularity brain in the machine... 
then it's not me anymore. It's a copy of me. And we go back to that whole paradox of I'm still dying. I'm just leaving a copy of myself around. <laughs> right. That's a paradox we don't have time for. But we do have time for one other one, one paradox here. Because this show and this question really brings kind of an interesting take on stuff we've talked about before, but maybe haven't quite dug deep into. And Because th- there's a couple of unique things in the show and in this question, which is half of the population is gone instantly. Right. It's a very specific segment and a segment without which you can't reproduce into perpetuity. Now, the only thing close to this is maybe in the Marvel Universe when we talk about the Thanos blip where he snaps his fingers and removes 50 percent of the um, I guess the galaxy or universe's population. But that's it's random. Uh, you can still reproduce or still, you know, reproductive age men and women that can carry on the species. But this is very different. It's very unique. Uh, And I'm curious, with that in mind, if we're going to organize steps to save humanity here, let's say we are the we are part of the surviving group. What are we doing here in this world? Then I'm asking you first. Well, in terms of trying to save and and salvage humanity, you're, you're really having to figure out how to quickly reorganize and support your infrastructure. And one of the things I was thinking about as we were preparing for this that we haven't really discussed is... A, you know, it's the distribution of jobs that can be problematic. In principle, in the Thanos snap, if it's a random 50%, you know, on average, it doesn't quite work this way. For instance, every airplane still has one pilot alive in the cockpit, hopefully. Now, we know 50 50 right, doesn't right. really work that way. So you'll have some airplanes crash, but, you know, not. Um, as many as in this split, where still, unfortunately, there are so many more male pilots than female pilots, you have this problem with the airplanes crashing. So I was thinking, where might you get help? And I really wonder if the Army, the armed forces, um, are a possible solution here, because even though they're still shockingly low in their percentage of women, I suspect they're more evenly distributed than in the civilian population. So the skill sets might be there in a way that... um, is actually a first step to look to. And so looking to the armed forces may be something we really need to do here. Um, so that is what I would first research. I, lo- I love that you're going to militarizing the United States. I mean, I don't know how, wh- where are you going, Denon? You're turning dark on me here. Let's militarize and get an authoritarian regime. <laughs> but leveraging their skill sets, Dad. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Look, look, All right, that when there's a hurricane, who do we call out? We call out the Army Reserve, and they, they're, they're like the most That's mobile true. engineers who can build something, right? That's true. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, all, all right, Denon, you're saved this time. Phew. What about you, Ben? As an engineer, <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, I, I think Denon makes a great point here. The, the armed forces certainly are – there are good distributions or better distributions of engineers and other uh, – technical people in those in those fields you know I, I've had many friends who were f- uh, female aviators and I think there's a good that's a good way to start is how do we who can we leverage to keep this infrastructure going you know if you look at the typical power plant operator it's it's a lot of it's a lot of men if you look at the typical uh, you know dam operator it's a lot of men so you know we got to get this Army Corps of Engineers out quickly to mobilize and secure all these really critical pieces of facility so that they don't fail, so that the grid doesn't go down. Because once the grid goes down, you're in a lot more trouble trying to get it back up. So you you, got to keep stuff running as the apocalypse is happening. Otherwise, you're really, really, really in deep trouble. 
That's interesting. I was going to go a different way because my efforts would be a little bit different to save humanity. Um, but we're going to let's hold off on that for a quick second because I like this idea of of jobs. And we're getting a little ahead of myself here, but I like where you went with this because I did a quick look. Infrastructure is obviously key, probably the first critical things you need to look at. And I was looking at um, jobs that would be in trouble because as of right now, they are less than one percent female. Um, and here they are. So here, are the, I, I, I'm going to put an article on this so you guys can follow along. But garbage collectors are less than 1% female. Now, that's interesting and very important because there's going to be a lot of dead bodies that have to be removed and disposed of. And it is not, it's not that easy to just hop into a garbage truck. And in the comic book, we see uh, York in the first, in the second uh, ep, uh, issue, as soon as he walks out, who does he run into? A garbage collector who has to pick up all the bodies. It's the first thing we got to do. Second thing. Ben, you're going to appreciate this. Mechanical engineers, <laughs> less than 1% female. Uh, railroad conductors, also going to be important for transportation, uh, which also includes you know people who are in refineries. Uh, vehicle mechanics, less than 1%. That's going to be very critical. Construction, trade workers, uh, also less than 1%. Ben, you and I discussed about industrial fishermen probably being at 0%. Well, um, so uh, you know, yeah. In that list, though, I think something to keep uh -huh. in mind. Some of those can be hobbyists and wouldn't show up. So I think in the car repair, vehicle repair, we might have some help. But you definitely name some that are, are, are key and right out there to worry about. Yeah. What's also interesting is some of those are critical right away and some are not. Like if we don't have car, right. car people fixing cars for a couple of weeks, that's not going to be the end of the world. There's, there's, we'll have 50% more cars than we need. Uh, once this apocalypse happens. So odds are, if your car breaks, you can probably just find one that still works and you'll be okay for a while. Uh, the bigger thing is like, how do you keep the trains running? How do you keep the power plants running? Mm -hmm. Those are the jobs that can't be delayed from, you need the continuity on those way more than like repair work and say factory work and construction for sure. We're going to have twice as many buildings than we need. Uh, it's okay if we don't build buildings for a while. You know, I like that, Ben. I like that. And Dan, to your very first question, you know, what's my plan going forward? Um, besides mobilizing the military for immediate um, rescue, because, you know, they have a lot of their own supplies, their own transportation systems, you know, they're mobile. Um, I would also make immediate decisions about what industries I'm just going to give up on. And in this hmm. case, for instance, given your list, I think I would say, OK, maybe the day of the train is over. Like, how do I want to redesign society going forward? I have half the people that we had before. Um, and, and maybe I'm going to focus on electric cars now. Or maybe I'm going to focus on alternative transportation. Trains are awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love trains. But maybe, you know, for the foreseeable future, I just give up on trains. Well, that's an interesting question because... If you're going to give up on trains, the infrastructure is already there, right? So my argument would be we've got an infrastructure that is built for twice the number of people in the, in the population. And the one thing I want to mention here really quickly is that it is pretty close to 50-50. I think um, is, you know, up to a certain age, 52% of the population are males, 48 are females. Once, But because males die sooner, I don't, I don't know why, uh, probably that industrial, being an industrial fisherman, um, once you get older... 
the population actually shifts. So there's more older females than males. So the, it, it, there's this weird little, you know, like curve, you know, I, I made it really like this. It's not really just really just, you know, like an up down curve, but that's interesting. <laughs> and also on top of that, you have this infrastructure that's built for twice as many people that you're maintaining for people that, that aren't going to be using it. So you do need to condense. I think an immediate action that I would take um, as the first female vice pre- or first female president would be to get everyone to, to kind of coalesce out of the coastal regions because the dams are going to break. You're going to have, you know, problems with flooding. You know, we're not gonna be able to maintain that. Move into the Midwest. Let's move to, you know, South Dakota is pretty cool. Close to Canada in case we need still diplomatic relations. Move everyone close. You know, keep everyone in local pockets. I think maybe that might be the way you go because you can't go right to electricity, Denon, because we don't have enough mechanical engineers. What are we going to do? We can't create this out of whole cloth. You know, that's where I think the hiccup is here. Well, that's... I, I like that, Dan, and but that's where I'm saying I'm going to pick and choose. So, for instance, electricity, um, there are places powered by nuclear power. That's probably going to survive pretty well in this. There are enough female nuclear engineers around, and nuclear power plants, because we're so afraid of them, are designed to be extra safe. You know, people with solar and, and solar power will have some advantages, though the grid may have challenges, as Ben pointed out. So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm making decisions about which technology and which spaces. Kind of like you said, you're, gonna, you're making a decision about where to save as a locale, like get people to the Midwest instead of trying to save a city. And I think you're exactly right about these strategic decisions about what do you want things to look like fairly quickly. You know, you do have half the people. So, you know, you don't actually maybe have to go all the way to the Midwest with everybody because that's a long distance to move large populations. It is a long distance. As we, longed, as we learned with the, the Mitchells versus the machines, you know, it's hard to move large groups of people anywhere. Um, but sure. you can maybe make slight, sh- slight shifts and slight adjustments. Um, and we may have pockets where even though it's the men, the people of the Y chromosome killed by this event, a lot of other incidental deaths happen. And so the population may even be smaller than 50% in pockets, which creates other strategic decisions. But, you know, I, I'm moving and, and moving to like green technology. Dan's moving to the Midwest. I want to know where Ben is going. Well, I, 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 I'm so glad you said the green technology part, Dan, because one of the interesting things here is if we have half the population, we probably need half the power, probably maybe more than half, probably maybe like 60% of the power we currently consume. And because of that, all of a sudden, all of the dirtiest power plants we have, we can just shut them off. You know, it's such a great way to get that that renewable percentage up, that nuclear percentage up, and get rid of that coal mine. You know what? You know what? There's a lot of male coal miners, but guess what? We probably don't need coal miners at all in this world where 50% of the people are gone because coal makes up less than 50% of the power story. And then all of a sudden, you, you just, the only thing you need coal for now at this point is making steel. You don't need it for the power supply anymore. So you can really get an incredible green revolution going uh, because all of a sudden you can get away from the dirtiest stuff. I love that idea. I, I think that that's great. And these are these are great plans here, guys. But I'm going to go back to my initial, what, what I was going to say initially, because we've got to, we've got efforts, we've got to save humanity here. Because if we don't, we're looking at what, two, three generations, and then everyone dies out, right? So here is my, I, I'm, I'm the first female president of the United States. Here's what I'm doing for the United States. I'm saying, Okay, first, we got to solve this virus problem or whatever it is, right? I'm going to call it a virus problem. We got to solve that problem because we can't have males being born and then dying instantly. That's terrible. Number two, 
We got to harvest viable eggs from all living women. I'm putting that into order. Uh, in, in all living females, we got to take all, eggs, harvest them, keep them in a place. We got to completely defend the sperm banks that are currently in existence. And I think we might have to have a generation of, of babies that are born outside of the womb necessarily. Uh, we, you know, we can do what we can um, naturally, but I think we might have to put a little bit of scientific capital into artificial wombs and creating children outside of the biological process. Uh, that's my first kind of, that's, that's, that's my long-term plan. Uh, what do you think about that, Denon? You know, it's a decent plan, Dan. Um, you know, I, decent I, plan. It's a decent plan. I, I, I could right. support it. I could get behind it. But I really, I'm actually intrigued um, by the relative challenge of going that route, right, and solving what caused this. Because you have a really a two-step plan. And if you can't solve the um, what's wiping out people with a Y chromosome plan, um, right? you can't execute your plan. Um, and I am thinking, though, I know a lot of people are concerned by it. We are close enough to understanding the genetic situation. And you have kind of three generations for, yeah, three generations to work with, What how it works. I think a generation is 20 years and you probably got at least 60 years before you're all dead. Um, I would actually work on the biology of just continuing humanity and human life, just only people with two X chromosomes. I think that biology is much easier to solve. Um, you may or may not. I also think you, you have enough data in the computers that if you needed to recreate a Y chromosome down the road, you could. Um, mm -hmm. And so you solve your survival problem first. And then you worry right. about whether or not you want people with Y chromosomes. Um, and it becomes an interesting biology question at that point of view. I'm a little nervous about just using straight clone technology because you do need genetic diversity. Um, so you could imagine mixing genes in some clone technology. But I, I think you go after how to just... Now, you and I agree both of our plans would require some sort of either, uh, you know, some sort of science added to the... Um, you know, sort of growth of the embryos, you know, whether it has to happen in, in, a, in a fake embryo, you still have all the women around, Dan, so you can grow the embryos in their uteruses. You don't need a fake uterus, I believe. Um, so <laughs> you're you adding an extra step there, Dan. <laughs> it's an accelerated process. Did I not mention half the population's gone, Dennis? Did I not yeah, but that? I'm not in a rush to get the other half back. We have lots of issues with our population at the moment. So, right. No, and that's true. I know I'm going against every argument I've ever made, which is against population and say this is possibly a good thing. Uh, I am going against my earlier arguments. But just so I understand, before we go get Ben's take on this, so your plan is to essentially eliminate all males. Let's go. Let's play God. No, no, let's no. That's clone. not my plan. Let's... That happened, Dan. I'm dealing but with But for reality. the future. You're saying the no longer biological no, biological reproduction is a thing of the past. Now it's all science, all cloning, all artificial insemination. That's the way. That's the route we're going. Is science is now taking the place of God? Is that what you're saying? Not quite, but close. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm okay. basically delaying when I would maybe bring the Y chromosome back, if at all, and I would move us to a new biology. I would enhance evolution. Right, because uh, as I know, because everything that happens in a lab that we created is a part of nature. Is like a part of nature. Whole, yeah. See, I was <laughs> waiting for you to recognize what I was doing, Dad. I got what you're doing. I got what you're doing. Uh, all right, Ben, what do you think about this? Please be the voice of reason here, because Den is starting to scare me. Well, I, I actually like a little bit of what Den's saying, because oh! there, there's some interesting <laughs> science going on here. Se sex selection yeah. varies 
hugely among even throughout the mammal population. The specific Y chromosome and the SRY gene that causes um, you know a male phenotype in in humans is unique to humans. It evolved only a few hundred thousand years ago. So it's very possible that you could create something like this in a again without bringing back the Y chromosome. Because if it's the Y chromosome specifically that is attacked, you don't want to bring it back. You're not going to get rid of this pathogen or whatever is causing the death. You got to come up with a new sex chromosome or some new sex selection system um, in the biology. And whether that's through um, splicing that SRY gene into X chromosomes and then figuring out how to make XX people um, not fertile rather than infertile as they currently are, or maybe it's you know a new you know capital Y gene or something. I, you know I don't know. Uh, you know I like the capital Y gene <laughs> rather than um, the lowercase one we kind of have now. Um, yeah, you know right. I don't know. I feel like there's some cool genetic engineering solutions here that would present themselves that are better solutions than just trying to somehow figure out what's going on that killed all the Y chromosome people in the first place. I, I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised at you guys. I mean, we are three males. Uh, I thought we would be going in the other direction here, but I am the only pro-male person on this on this panel, the only guy who's saying, hey, come on, we have purpose in society. We've got use. And you guys are saying, forget it. Your thing of the past, evolution has moved on from the male. Um, I don't know what that means. And at, truth be told, I will be the one of the people who will be dead. So it won't really matter. It'll be the next generation. Uh, so it's not really going to matter what I think. Dan, I love that you bring up the evolution here because there's evidence that the Y chromosome itself is being eliminated, eliminated by evolution. Uh, sex chromosomes throughout history seem to have been eliminated through evolution because of their, uh, because the limited Y chromosome that only determines sex ends up being kind of deprecated and destroyed but through evolutionary processes. Um, in our current genome, the, the X chromosome has over 1,600 genes on it, whereas the Y chromosome only has like 50 genes left on it and is mostly wow. just junk code. It barely does anything. Really, all it does <laughs> is, is uh, the SRY gene and that causes the, the male phenotype to come out. So it's certainly, po it's certainly possible that in the future, the Y chromosome itself will disappear naturally and some other sex selection system will arise in the human population. I mean, I, that is the I, that is the fact of the podcast. You know, we try to come up with a T-shirt every single every single episode, and the Y chromosome is nothing but junk code. Uh, ben Seepser, enigmatic engineer. I think uh, almost nothing but junk code. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But I, I will say, say that, that would make us a lot of money, Dan. I'm just going on record here. <laughs> I think if you print that, you will solve the monetization of this podcast problem. <laughs> Fair enough. And I will say, you know is evidence to that one of the best movies of all time one that we've also profiled here jurassic park all the the dinosaurs are female um and you know life finds a way i believe the the great jeff yep. goldblum said that um it's very true but let's so let's talk about you know we got it we've talked infrastructure we've talked about the the y chromosome what about the future what's the recovery path you know what are we doing you know we, we've we've kind of got things under control what is the path forward um, you know, what are we going to do from that point once we've solved some of these problems, whether it's my way, uh, the highway or Denon's way? Um, so I'm curious. And let's go with you first. You've eliminated 
selected males for the future. We're doing it all through in the lab. Uh, y chromosomes, a thing of the past. How are we getting everything back in order here? You know, it's an interesting question, and I really want to go back to my comment about focusing on a new way uh, of technology, a new way of thinking of our interacting with the world. But also, very interestingly, what I'm most concerned about is our new way of interacting with the biology around us, right? Because all we focused on is the fact of how we are going to do the immediate survival of humanity. We have this problem that the ecosystem has changed dramatically, right? We have not even touched on the fact that half of every mammal is gone and what that has done to the biological biome or biome. Yeah, biome. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think in terms of our future, thinking about that, like, are we the only mammal left? Is our technology good enough to save the other mammals, right? Because presumably we'd only have enough kind of hospitals and labs to go around. It'd, it'd be whether we take your route or our, my route or Ben's route, Dan, I, I don't think we have the resources to deal with the other mammals. Um, and that's another, you know, sort of scary thought there. And so are we like the only mammals in a world of reptiles and birds and insects? And, you know, were they the cause of this? I, I don't know, right? And so <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's the part I'm struggling with with the future. Like I can, I, I see the immediate actions and the mid game, but the long-term game, I don't know. That gets tricky from my perspective. Um, ben, are, are you happy with a world without mammals? I, I just, you know, I wonder about that. Well, that's one thing I really wonder about in this story, because there's a lot of mammals that don't have the XY style sex selection. They have other types of genes. It, it works differently in those animals. I And none of them really have the SRY type uh, sex selection that humans specifically do. Not even our closest ancestors uh, or our closest relatives uh, work that way. So what, one thing that I do like that the showmakers uh, did is the three mammals they showed rats deer and dogs those do in fact have an analogous y chromosome but again it's not the same y chromosome we have i mean chromosome numbers are very drastically between uh mammals deer have 70 chromosomes uh rats have 22 uh dogs have a different number <laughs> that i forgot it's not 70 or 22 that much we know right yeah and and humans have uh 46 so there's this kind of question of, because everyone's different, I do wonder, is it just these Y-chromosome mammals that have died? Are there still, are some mammals still around, perhaps, and we just didn't get to see them in the show? Or, you know, the monotremes are still around. Maybe we just, you know, work with the platypuses from now on. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good point, Ben, but I still am worried about a world without dogs. Let's just, let's just go with that. I mean, that yes. they are supposedly our best friend. Um, and it's psychologically always hard to lose your best friend. So there is a psychological challenge with the future. Well, at least with the deer gone, our roses won't get eaten. No, there is that. <laughs> roses are saved for sure. Well, I'm going to solve. I'm going to solve a couple of problems here, guys. Uh, and I'm going to start with you first, Den. And you know, everyone's heard of the Doomsday Seed Vault, which is this. I think I believe it's in Norway. It's a gigantic underground facility that saves almost every seed of all different species across the planet in case of, you know, a, a, an extinction level event, right? But what about mammals? What about animals in general? Well, I, I'm here to tell you guys, I did some research and there are a lot of sperm banks out there and never fear 
Never fear, Denon. Uh, as psychologically affecting as die- as first of all, dying, I think, um, by a, a horrible virus would affect you psychologically for sure. Losing your best friend will also do that. But the one thing we have plenty of is dog semen. We've got plenty of it. Uh, we've got plenty of female dogs. Dogs are not a problem. We'll bring those back in a second. But there's also, there's a place called the National Animal Germplasm Program, which keeps heirloom and conventional breeds uh, of animals in their massive animal bank. There's also the University of Kaito, uh, Kyoto, I'm sorry, the University of Kyoto in Japan. Uh, they freeze-dried mammal sperm, uh, giraffes, monkeys, apes, you know, can be stored just above freezing. We got that covered. The San Diego Zoo has what they call the frozen zoo. Uh, so I think we've got a lot of animals. As a matter of fact, there may even be some extinct species we can bring back through de-extinction. There's a company called Colossal, which wants to bring back the woolly mammoth. So who knows? This may be a time when we repopulate the, the world with other mammals that have through the climate change, through overpopulation, uh, we've lost. So this may be, a, this may be the goal Golden age of mammal, Denon. What do you think? Well, I, I just keep thinking Jurassic Park and and scary things happening. But I guess the average mammal is not as scary as the average Tyrannosaurus Rex. So no. maybe we're okay. Um, it does make me wonder, Dad. Um, do you not feel we've had a golden age of mammals? Mammals have been pretty dominant. Like, um, what wh- what is it about our, our our lack of now? Is it just is it just the damage we humans are causing? Is that what you're worried about, Dan? And you think it would be better with half of us? And the mammals would really shine at that moment. Yeah, I think when I th- when I say golden age, I feel like a time when everyone's living in harmony. It's the best for everyone. Ah, right gotcha. now, okay, so this we're is the dominant gonna... age. We're like in the age of human, and that's it. Like, right. Like, everything is we are, we dominate yeah. everything. We are the most invasive species on the planet, invading every corner. So I don't know that I would say that we. Know, I, I don't know what age that I would say is the golden age of mammals, but I'm predicting. In this scenario, the golden age of mammals is in our future. That is my I like that. I like that. Dan, I like that you brought up this human thing because we've now kind of named the current age of Earth after ourselves. We've now kind of call ourselves in the Anthropocene as compared to previous like the Pleistocene or the Holocene where not humans were in charge. (laughs) We've now named the age of the Earth after ourselves. Is that not the most human thing in the world to name an age after ourselves? Uh, and, and with that, as three humans, uh, we will move on to our errors, additions, and omissions section. Uh, this is things we wanted to talk about when it comes to viral apocalypse, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, is there anything we missed that you wanted to cover about why the last man or a viral apocalypse? You know, it, it's it's really, yeah, there are a couple of things. First of all, the title of the show fascinates me because, one, I kept getting it wrong. I kept calling it Why the Last Man Standing, uh, mixing two shows in one. So that was uh, just bad. But I absolutely love Very different the, shows, by the way. <laughs> those would be very different shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do love the, the use of why in this. Anything that means three different things, like why is in Y chromosome, why is how Yorick signs his name. And why, like, why the last man? Why is he the last man? You know, it's even better than a a simple pun. You know, three meanings is better than one. Um, So that was a lot of fun. you know, the, the other how much are you gonna rhyme there, Dennis? That was, you like that? <laughs> that was yeah, that's going on a shirt for sure. <laughs> um, and then you know there was just there was just a lot in this that obviously we didn't have time to talk about that raised interesting questions of political and social interaction. That even though I totally. Um, discount and doubt all apocalypse or apocalypses. I, I went apocalypses, <laughs> apocalypses. I think that's it. 
That's it. Is it yeah. like a poct- o- it. octopus that the plural is octopus is? I think so. I think it's so apocalypses. Okay. Um, Even though I doubt all of them, and I don't think this would happen naturally, it raises an interesting question of who weaponized this. And I I like the idea of foreshadowing our Doctor Who episodes, because I really think this is revenge of the dinosaurs. The reptilian people that used to dominate the earth have come back and want control again. So that's where I am on this, Dan. Those are some of my errors, additions, and omissions. I don't know what category they fall into, but how about ruminations? They're, they're all over ruminations for sure. Um, pontifications. And just for those listening, I want to say it again. Uh, three wise are better. Th- uh, you never heard a great pun. Three wise are better than one. Isn't that a lot of fun? Dr. Michael Denon, uh, <laughs> our physics phenom. So what about you, Ben? What do you think about r- Denon's rumification? Rumi- what is it? <laughs> ruminations. <laughs> ruminations. My pontifications. His poetry. Uh, or is there anything else about the show maybe you want to talk about? Well, we know it wasn't the ruminants, which are the... Uh, <laughs> Right. The animals that chew their cud. Yes. It's, it wasn't their job. No, it good. wasn't there. No. I, I like this idea that I, I think it was a dinosaur conspiracy. I think the birds got together and are uh, often us and getting back their planet. You know, they were in charge 65 million years ago. They ruled the earth and it's their time again. Uh, and us us mammals, you know, it's our time is over. Wow. I, I, that's dark, but it may be very true. Uh, I only had a couple of things here with my Ayers editions. You know, we talked about in one of the other episodes, in our Electric Dreams episodes, how science fiction is formerly known as male fantasy or something like that, something ridiculous. Well, th- how is this not both a male and female fantasy? If it's a male fantasy, you're living in a world with all females. Female fantasy, women, females have taken over the earth and the only two males left are, are you know, a monkey and a wimpy guy who has no real skills and, and whines all the time. Uh, a lot of fantasy going on in this <laughs> in this show for sure. Um, but you know, we we come to a point. One of my favorites now is the questions from the audience. I love the things that people are sending in uh, and asking us about. They're very great questions. And this one, I got one for you guys today. This one comes from Cliff K over there in Oklahoma. Uh, Hey, guys, I love what you do. Now, this is going back a ways, but on Fascinating Fights, you talked about Jason and Leatherface, but you missed the king of them all, Michael Myers. With the new movie coming out, it begs the question that is appropriate for all of these mass killers. How do they keep coming back? Can you really live in the forest for 20 years? How are they keeping track of time and coming back exactly 20 years later? Uh, I've got a lot of questions, but I'm going to stop dot, dot, dot for now. Cliff K, Oklahoma. Uh, I think this is a great question. You know, I love horror movies. Uh, Denon, you know that. I know you're a Stephen King fan. Uh, so let's start with you. How do you think that, what, what do you think is going on here? How are these guys living forever, taking the shots that they take and coming back on an almost cyclical basis that would stump even the most the most accurate atomic clocks in the world. Well, this is clearly an example of time loops, something we have dealt with multiple times in our shows. Um, It's a variant on the strict loop called the time cycle, um, which is, you know, in a loop, you're coming back to the exact same point in time and reliving it over and over. If you think about a spiral or a spiral staircase or a cycle, um, you, you leave our time continuum Um, cycle around and come back at exactly a well-defined point and re-enter our time continuum. So I would reference people. I would reference people. No, I would reference our previous episodes. (laughs) Refer people to our previous episodes. Um, And I think if they watch anything we've done, um, you know, on Groundhog Day or any of our amazing time loop work, 
mm-hmm. they will find the answers, everything they need to know to um, both avoid and understand why these people keep coming back. That, that's where, where I am with this. Um, they we, could we, we do have robots. an incredible body of time loop work, by the way. You do we do. Reference we, it. Do. we do have quite a, quite a body of work. Uh, what about you, Ben? What are you thinking here? I know you, um, I, I don't know that you necessarily enjoy serial killer movies, um, but I bet you have an opinion on them. Yeah, I, I can't say I've, I've specifically seen uh, this move, these movies specifically. So I think I just have to loop it back to Denon's beautiful answer about how time loops are the reason that Mike Myers is doing what he's doing. <laughs> I, and I do have an error in addition, Dan. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. On what you just so, said? You've got another uh, well, error? Uh, no, uh, on, the, on this question. Um, I, uh-huh. I want clarity for the audience. Um, sure. I love Stephen King novels. I do watch some of the movies, but unlike you, I, I've never been able to really get into the horror movies. So I, I, don't want, I don't want people to think the implication of you like horror movies, you like Stephen King, I like Stephen King would logically lead to I like horror movies. It does so not. A plus B does not equal B plus A. Is what exactly. In this case. Right. In this particular case. <laughs> you you uh, and I do enough. not commute. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, I will tell you, I'm going to do what I always do, and that's loop this back to my other podcast, Fascinating Nouns, where I did a whole episode about a guy who was a hermit for 20 years, and he actually lived in this remote location uh, and was able to kind of pilfer the food that he needed uh, from people's homes, and it took you know advanced security cameras to catch him. He remained, you know, he remained on the loose, for lack of a better term, for about 20 years, uh, and then was caught. <laughs> so it can happen. He was not a serial killer. He was a nice guy, a misanthrope. Uh, ben, you may you may uh, kind of relate to that. Um, but he didn't want to be around people, and he wasn't. So he just used it what he needed to. So it's possible, um, especially if you do have those devious intentions. Um, but you know, if we've missed anything, you know, if there's if there's anything that we've missed here with Michael Myers, with with Why the Less Man, with any kind of viral apocalypse, uh, you can get in touch with us. The show is very easy to get in touch, uh, get in, in get a hold of. We're on Twitter at f triple g b t pod we're on facebook at f triple g bt but you can get in touch with us individually Dennett, where can people find you um people can reach me on twitter and instagram just flip my name that's at Denon michael uh and then if you want to find me on facebook you stick in a prof at prof Denon michael ben where can people find you you can find me on all the major social media networks at b seepser how do you spell that you spell that b s i e p s e r and you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And of course, I forgot if you want to get in touch with all of us and ask a question that may be featured on a future episode, easy to do. We are questions at F, triple G, BT.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please remember to rate and review and make sure you're subscribed. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. And finally, this show contains powerful scientific information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination. Well, you don't want to do that. You want to be a superhero like we always preach. You don't want to be a supervillain who can create a devastating plague that will wipe out half of humanity. Remember, always be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? 
We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there fgbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.